0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by Integrity Pro Consulting. IPC is a ServiceNow sales, services, training, and technology partner, but we love them for their unique approach to services. IPC knows that project success is nothing without proper organizational change management, and each of its resources are trained in OCM. Check out the links below and see what a difference that can make at your organization. All right, so it's been a couple of weeks and Corey and I have been brainstorming a ton of topics. And what are we gonna do today, Corey? Today, we're gonna talk about
1: the freelance architect or more specifically, the freelance vendor agnostic architect, right? The guy that you can hire or the person that you can hire absent any partner affiliation and why that's important.
0: Yeah, and why you need to really think about how and why you can use a vendor agnostic architect.
1: Yeah, because it's it's not always clear the difference between a vendor agnostic architect versus the architect that you get with a partner engagement. And so what we really wanna do is just surface some of the benefits that you'll get by going the way of separating your architecture or your architect from your partner engagement.
0: I'm really excited about this episode because you and I have been talking about this for years now, right? And I've had my own kind of private ventures and been an employee of of many ServiceNow companies, but I've always come back to this as if I ever do my own thing on my own again, or if I need space filler or whatever, I'm always going to come back to being that freelance vendor agnostic architect. I think it just, it suits me, it suits you, and it, it suits because there's such tremendous advantages about that. So Corey, why don't you start off with advantage one? of needing a freelance vendor agnostic architect?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the first thing is, is that your incentives are aligned, right? So when we talk about a a freelance architect versus uh, someone who is associated with your vendor partner, right? You got to think about the incentives from the perspective of your partner versus the incentives that you have as an organization and then also the incentives that your freelance architect is going to have, right? From one perspective, as a ServiceNow Architect affiliated with your vendor the things that i'm going to tell you have to pass internal muster first and when i say internal muster what i mean is what's our internal principles what's our internal guidelines what's our internal cost structure what's our internal profit margins mm-hmm. you know what it in our best interest for your deployment and i'm going to say that again right because that's pretty important what's in our best interest as your vendor partner for your deployment as the customer that incentive right there. You would think that when you're hiring someone and you're hiring a partner, right? That you get in someone who is solely dedicated to your best interest, but that's not entirely correct because these entities are businesses, right? So they have their own PL structure too. So they have to have a certain profit and loss margin in order for them to make the economics work. So their incentive structure doesn't always align with your incentive structure. That's one thing. When you think about from a freelance vendor agnostic architect, think about that as like hiring a lawyer. When you go to court and you got your lawyer, your lawyer is defending only you, right? Sure, there's like some ethical stuff, right? That they can't do. They can't lie, you know, for you or whatever, but they're defending you. That's their primary goal is to make sure you get off or you, you know, don't get convicted or whatever the case is, right? That's their goal. When you're hiring a vendor um, agnostic architect, their only goal is to make sure your implementation goes smoothly. That's right. right.
0: And the value of their advice is just that hours cost exactly so they don't have to like toe the line of their own brand It's just, is this the right thing or the wrong thing to do? Is it the advisable or non-advisable thing to do in the big picture? And it's like, I get paid for the hour. I don't get paid to represent my brand by my brand. Exactly. And I don't have an apparatus behind
1: me either, right? Mm -hmm. So when I I start thinking about what's best or or not best for you, it's not because I'm also thinking about how can I score this $2.5 million contract to feed my developers. I'm only thinking about that hour or those 10 hours or whatever the case of our you know of our particular contract right i'm only thinking about how i can help you to the best extent possible
0: and let, let's be real clear like we are not anti-partner right at all at all at all, at no, all. no 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 vers-
1: both sides
0: right yeah and it's just incentives are what they are and you align incentives like you try and find alignment between all parties' incentives. That's just what everybody does by nature. But incentives exist whether we choose to acknowledge them or not. And the big partners, they brand themselves, right? We're experts in this. We have the most field experience in this. We've built a knowledge store of how we do things at Vendor XYZ. And all of their staff basically tries to get to that line. Right. And they become the brand's knowledge store. Right.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And
0: so, like, you have the vendor agnostic architect, and they don't like, they don't have to adhere to that. They'd be like, okay, I understand you guys do it this way, but my field experience says that this might be the better of the two options. And they don't have to be incentivized to toe the line on their brand's knowledge store.
1: Now, I really want to touch it on the P&L side of this again too. Like as a vendor agnostic architect, my expenses are super low. Like when I'm billing for my time, you know, I'm taking into account the fact that I'm going to buy a laptop once every three years for myself. (laughs) You know, I'm not thinking about supporting an entire company, right? Like all the human capital that comes with that, supporting HR, supporting buildings and leases and all of that kind of stuff. Like none of that is competition with you and your best interests. Mm-hmm. So it's super easy for me to align my incentives with yours because I don't necess- I don't need as much in order to uh, make my business grow or to make it profitable.
0: I think I'll just do a, an illustration here. Like imagine you're doing an ITSM deployment and then you hear a word that, gosh, the asset management paradigm is really weak here. Right. If you are a big vendor, you can push them to say, oh, let's also get an asset management thing right. up and running. Right. right. A freelance vendor agnostic architect, their incentives would align more with, is this the right time? Right. Right. Because they're a single swim lane. They can only do like 40 hours a week. Right. And so... They might say it's not the right time versus a big vendor would just say, what gives? We can always just put more people on this and rapidly outstrip the customer's capacity for change. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't believe this this incentive exists, just imagine being the dude who gets to go back to the sales team and say, yeah, they need asset management, but let's not put that on their docket right now. Your sales reps (laughs) would eat you alive. They would peel your skin off and roast you over a fire. And so yes, it's just like, it's not bad or good. And just saying that incentive exists. Yeah, that's never
1: gonna fly, right? But yeah. you know, even, even you know, taking that a step further too, like your vendor agnostic architect is going to be the guy who says, yeah, we need asset management, but is this the right partner for it? Oh, like the, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Because, because there are partners out there to specialize in practically every area of service yeah. now. So your existing partner relationship is not going to say we're not the right
0: people for that. No, they're absolutely say- right. Yeah. And dude, oh, thank you, brother. There's a great layup because that's my next point is the network effect that you get from a freelance architect versus a partner architect now. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, you and I both know there's partners out there that, that do it all, quote unquote, right? Yeah. But those were like the oldest of old school partners. And now they're the biggest of big. Right, it's yep. the it's the big four plus DXC plus a, a couple others. Yeah, but all the yep. all the partners in the ecosystem now are like specialized, and so you have to have the freedom of a customer to just evaluate partners for what they're best at. Like, right. why would I take somebody who's like they can do it versus somebody who is exquisite at it? When the cost is right around the same marker, right? Like yeah. if I'm gonna pay roughly the same for both, I want the exquisite resource who does nothing but asset management versus the team who has an asset management person. Yeah, I mean, think about it,
1: right? Like if mm-hmm. you're doing service portal, who you calling?
0: <laughs> yeah, you I know, know who it. I'm calling.
1: You're right. That's what I mean. Yo, right? What's up, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> like without a doubt, right? And if you're jumping get into Nate, that new rocket and going to the moon. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you can get Nate. For what is going to cost anybody else you're absolutely going nate like no question absolutely. about it Absolutely, yeah you, so you know and that's the freedom you get when you mm-hmm. have a vendor agnostic architect
0: that's right the network effect so the vendor agnostic architect and we assume this is somebody who's been around the block a few times will have the connections. And maybe it's maybe it's not even a partner. Maybe it's like, I know this other indie person and she's right. the best GRC person alive. Uh, Absolutely. If we can get her. Yeah. So just by having this vendor agnostic architect on your team, your ability to get the deepest of deep expertise, let's be clear, that vendor agnostic architect, we need a shorter name for this. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, the, Freelance the, um, architect. There we the go. freelancer, yeah. <laughs> the frarchitect. Um, yeah they're not going to be the person doing the work but they're going to know somebody who's got that down and and introduce you to them and so it's it's really an opportunity to get the cream of the crop in every discipline that you want to steer service now towards and we're not like it's not like you go to partner x and they're like three times as expensive because they're the deepest expertise in that process area it's like practically the same price now in the market absolutely Yeah, so it's like get somebody who can connect you to all those other pieces. And you know, I sorry for the big companies whose vendor management processes make onboarding prohibitively expensive. But if you're not one of those companies, then Jeepers, this can be a real boon for you. Right, and then you know we we kind of touched on this already, but just
1: to resurface it a little bit, a network that a freelance architect would have isn't necessarily the same network that they that your partner will have, like one of the big four or whatever. Right, right. the people who I can call, I've been in the trenches with these folks. I know exactly what they can do, and most of them have been doing it as longer longer than I have. So when I recommend someone to them, when I recommend you one of these people, it's because I know. And I trust and I and they're going to come in and they're going to get the job done and they're going to get it. No fuss, no must. Boom. Knock it out. Move on. You're going to love it. Right. Like that's a difference in the type of person. Right. The type of recommendation that you get versus when you talk to your vendor partner who, mm-hmm. you know, is going to think about, oh, well, we got this other guy here on staff. And that guy on staff is probably good. Like they, they do have some good folks at yeah. some of these bigger companies. Just not all of them are good folks.
0: <laughs> right. Are you going to get that person? Or is that person already busy, right? Right. And again, like here we are back at incentives too, because again, if I'm a vendor agnostic architect and you tell me like, oh, we got to do asset management, it's still just my hour for the advice, right? And I'm just like, okay, like the right. best service portal person I know is New, is New Rocket. Let's get one of their person. To me, it does not matter who gets selected. It doesn't matter. But again, imagine being the engagement manager or or implementer at medium-sized vendor X who gets to tell their sales team, oh yeah, I sent them to New Rocket because they need a portal, you know, (laughs) you know fired the next day sales team back over the fire mister (laughs) 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 you need to work on your tan a little bit more
1: (laughs) exactly barbecue for lunch boys Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) so again incentives but network effect big big huge advantage for having a freelance architect
1: absolutely so the next thing we want to talk about too right is the deduplication of effort right that's what i like to call it but essentially what it means is that when you get a freelance Farkitect. <laughs> essentially what it means is that when you're getting a architect, right? <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> Hashtag architect. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially what it means is when you're getting a freelance ar- vendor agnostic architect, what you're getting is somebody who's who's accustomed to wearing a lot of hats. You know, if this person is worth their salt, right? They've been doing this for a while and they've had to do various different aspects of a project in different situations. And so that person's gonna have some project management capability. That person's gonna have some engagement management capability. A person's gonna have a little bit of sales and connections with Service Down sales, typically, right? That person's gonna know how to how to deal with your internal business stakeholders, right? They've likely had these conversations in conference rooms up on the high floors before, right? They they probably have a tech background. So they can go in and they can talk to your engineers. They can absolutely give you service down, great service now advice, right? Because that's the job. But all of that other stuff, too, that's kind of the job, too. And they've done it before. You might not be asking for that stuff now, but the fact that they have that experience just brings a ton more value to the overall project. So the unit of value for the dollar that you're paying is just way in excess, right? Of When you you hire one of these folks, just because by nature, they've had to do it all. They Mm -hmm. don't have a, a team that they can fall back on and say, well, you know what? Let me talk to my project manager about that and decide whether or not we should do Agile or Waterfall. They have to go with the flow based on whatever's going on because they're just one person. So you you get that whole deduplication of effort where you're not having to talk to six different people on the team, you know, that where where Bitco is bringing in, well, we're going to have bring in our project manager and they're going to do this. We're going to bring in our engagement manager. They're going to talk to you yep. five hours a week. You know, we're going to bring in sales and they're going to have a, you know, take you out for lunch, which is great, but they're also going to want to sell you something twice a month. And, <laughs> you know, it's like all of that stuff you don't. You don't have to deal with all of that. You get one person, right, who has enough of those qualities instantiated inside of their their skill set that you can get the best value for the project.
0: I I think that like the one resource name you put on there that I think holds the most um, potential for deduplication is the engagement manager. Yeah, like we often see with larger partners, especially their deployments, they'll they'll be like, okay, there's the technical team, the architects, the de- developers the testers, whatnot. And then there's usually a PM capability, but then there's also an engagement manager or a success manager component as well. Right. And it's always shocking me how much of the time that is. And it's someone who's basically there to like reassure and maintain the relationship between vendor and customer. But I've always felt like a good architect can absorb that capacity because success is really, is this thing going to work or not? Did we have the best design for, you know, let, for the problems me, at hand?
1: And let me jump in on that one too, Duke, because who better, right, to manage that relationship than your freelance architect, mm-hmm. right? Who better to ensure the success of your project than the person that you're paying to have your best interest at heart?
0: Yeah. And in the few positions I've had where I have been the freelance vendor agnostic architect, the most interaction time I've logged has been between the vendor's engagement manager and the architect. Right. Be- because they're basically, explain to me why this is the best choice. Our team says this and that, right? Right. And I just feel like there's huge overlaps in the value to the project between those two roles. So on top of the, the incentives discussions and the network effect, if you're doing big deployments, like this is just another great reason to have a for architect. is that you can possibly purge some of those engagement management hours.
1: Absolutely. And I've been in that position as well. Too, where you have the the engagement manager or whoever on the big co side and they're telling you my team's telling telling me that we can't do this thing we have to do it in this way mm-hmm. and you being the the architect right like you've had you've done it this way 20 times already and so you're like well actually and nobody wants to be that guy who does well actually but sometimes
0: it's fun to go Well, actually, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it is. Well, think about it this way, too. Like if you trust you got this external architect who you trust as being top of game architect and you want their advice on the overall design and whatnot. Right. And you've still got a big partner in there. You are paying for a lot of argument time. Yes. Between the architect and the engagement manager. Like it's still hours towards your account, but it's basically like when there's a conflict and let's go. Which episode was it? Who's the alpha? you got to pick the alpha yeah. they're arguing is still billable hours
1: <laughs> and do and not only that right like do you want to be paying someone for them to have an internal argument
0: <laughs> yeah i don't
1: right like, like- you're paying big employee number one to argue with Bitco employee number two and you're footing that bill that makes absolutely no sense
0: yeah, role playing. If I was a big customer and I I knew that my ServiceNow footprint was going to be huge over time, I would have my freelance vendor-agnostic architect in there, make no questions about who's the alpha on making des- design decisions and, and such, and then just plug me into those best vendors and have them do the work. I mean, contribute to design as well. I mean, I'm sure like. Somebody who's not a GRC expert will call in the GRC experts and listen to them, but then also take that into consideration with the rest of the solution footprint, right? Gosh, I yeah well that on a tangent there but no but it's a good point though because I'm gonna
1: pick up on it <laughs> nice because because the, the, the for architect becomes kind of like this partnership clearinghouse it's just another different it's a different way to look at deduplication of effort because now instead of having one big company and they're doing a, an engagement that spans six or seven different verticals right like mm-hmm. if you have your freelance architect in there and then you say that person's alpha, And then now that you can run all the partnership decisions through that person, okay, we're going to get these guys in to do asset management and only asset management. We're going to get these guys in to come in and build our portal. We're going to have these guys do our ITSM implementation, want to pull these guys in to do integrations. And you can have all of these different partners working in tangent, you know, and kind of like a symphony and have it balanced, right? So that you get the absolute best that you can get for your money and you're not sacrificing because you only want to cut one PO and now you've got a vendor who isn't really good at integrations trying to figure out how to write a rest integration to like JIRA or something.
0: I swear there was an episode where we talked about this, where imagine everybody is just exquisite at what they do and you bring in three different partners to just do stuff. This is another way we could deduplicate because everybody's got their best practices for X. Right. Right. And they might be excellent practices, but different from each other. and. Like, I remember I was on one account and I had like, they they had really embraced the multiple vendor approach. These people are best at X, Y, Z, whatever. And so they had like five or six vendors run through there and it created quite a tangle, just everybody's best intentions at how things should be designed and administrated. And there was no overarching customer's way of doing things. You will tow that line, not customer towing your line. Right, and so you can basically like again, it's deduplication of effort because you're not reinventing three wheels. You got one wheel, one way of doing things, Absolutely. and the vendors can build within that paradigm.
1: Man, that that and that there is such there is a, a conversation, right? Maybe even an episode in there to talk about architecture around the ServiceNow platform and how if you start to break it apart and you look at you know things like the core platform and the CMDB mm-hmm. as you know spokes or or the hub. Of, with spokes that you can build out or connect to, right? Like that's kind mm-hmm. of the premise behind the CSDM, right? Being able to build on the platform in such a way is that you can plug into it later, yep. right? And so, man, well, yeah, we could we could definitely go on a t-
0: tangent definitely. there. Definitely, yeah. Put on the list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what was it? Okay. I don't really have a good word for this category, but we've kind of brushed up a little bit. It won't surprise anybody. Have you, have you ever seen an implementation where it's like somebody, like a knowledgeable resource, will talk against somebody on their own team about some something? And the best example, I'm not going to name names, okay? But I am going to call out a very specific situation. So I was at a customer, and they were deploying ITBM. And... Let's just say the, the deployment was not going well, but I only landed on site near the end. Too late to do anything about it. And as I was trying to deconstruct the disaster that was about to happen, I'm asking them, what did you guys deploy? Show me what you built. Talk to me about what you built. And I got, you know, first I got, well, just read all the stories. It's all in there. A hundred stories <laughs> with paragraphs and, paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. No. And but read then them I, in order. <laughs> yeah. And I eventually got it down to most of what we did was deploy an accelerator. Ouch. Okay. Tell me about the accelerator. Oh, never mind. I'll check myself. It's like 1,200 lines. <laughs> it's not documented. So I'm like, everybody get on a call. Show me what this thing does. And I'm on the call with their people. And they're saying, yeah, we know this is a bad idea. We know this is a bad idea. We know this is a bad idea. I'm like, hold on a second. You guys deployed this. You built it. Yeah. Did anybody stop and tell the customer that this is a bad idea? No, because uh. your job. Is to put the best foot forward for your company, not the customer, right? Again, incentives, right? Some incentives are perverse. I'm not morally judging people. I'm not morally judging vendors. It's just that these incentives exist. It's like, what's it like that trick people pull on their kids, right? Like they put a camera on the table and they've laid out three pieces of candy bar and they're like, don't eat this till I get back. Right. It's just, you can't stop the incentive. (laughs) You can only hope people don't take it. Yes, it's totally on a tangent down a rabbit hole there. But you see what I mean, right? Like I had people at the partner in secret with me telling me, yeah, yeah, we know it's a bad idea. If you knew it was a bad idea, you should have advised the customer of the risks of doing so, right? Maybe you do have a whole lot of value in that accelerator. But right now that accelerator is a roadblock. And the customer should have known that that was a risk. So had I been on that job earlier when they were just saying, oh, yeah, we're going to come in and deploy this accelerator, I'd be like, is that accelerator documented? They would have had to have said no. And then that would have saved the customer, like, let's call it a quarter million dollar headache. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, is the vendor going to do that for themselves? No. Does this happen? Every single day it happens, right? So this is like, I think, one of the big risk aversity benefits of a for architect is to just to be a foil against the perverse incentives that are out there. Man, absolutely. And you know what, Duke? I mean, I, a
1: lot of this can be summed up, too, by asking folks when they get on the call who they work for, right? When you uh, get on the call mm, good one. With, with the vendor, right? Like you say, all right, uh, Senior Arc, who do you work for? If they don't say the client's name, then they should be fired.
0: because. Well, I mean... <laughs>
1: Fire's a strong word. <laughs> I don't mean fire it from the job. I mean, fire it from the project, right? Because ultimately, I'm not hiring you to work for... You. When, when I hire you, I'm not hiring you to work for BitCode number one anymore. Uh-huh. I'm hiring you to work for client number one because that's ideally what I'm paying for when I hire a partner. Now, we all know this does not happen and it does not exist in this world. And that's the whole point, right? That's the whole value proposition of the freelance vendor and ag- agnostic architect, right? Because when that client asks me, who am I working for? You, hmm. boss. <laughs> I'm working for you, right? Like, you pay me. My, our, our incentives are aligned. I am going to call out whatever needs to be called out. I'm going to make sure that, you know, you are getting what you pay for, not only out of me, but what, you pay, what you're paying other people for yeah. as well. Because I have no incentive right not to burn these or toast these suckers right like if they come right. in like like you said if they come in with this update set this 1200 lines right and, and and no documentation oh no 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 yeah. pause
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm not like I have no sympathies for that partner, right? <laughs> um, and that was just what I call like the king of bad ideas. But even if you assume that all the partners out there are exquisite trapeze artists, right? Sure. The best in the business, like tightrope, flips in the air, catching each other. Every single one of those teams works with a safety net. Yep. The, the architect is the safety net of right. the trapeze artists that are doing your implementations. Absolutely. You know, like, no, that's too far a jump, way too risky. We're not going to deal with, you know, wiping somebody's entrails off the floor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, let's just
1: not do that. You know, and to your point, right. I mean, I've been in these situations too, right. Like I've I've been in a situation before where I've called out internally this project. Hey, we're under-resourced. We don't have adequate requirements. The customer is expecting something that we're not ready to deliver, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and I've been told, just get it done. And it's like, Whoa. what I'm telling you is we can't get it done. <laughs> right. And so, you know, a year later, the project was still going on. Why? Because instead of pausing and going back to your customers and saying, look, we need to figure out our resourcing or figure out realign, whatever, the whatever the communication plan is. Right. So doing all of that, you know, they just push, 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 push. We need to close this thing. We need to close this thing. We need to close this thing. It took forever to close. Everybody lost. Customer lost. Partner lost. Like everybody l- I lost. I left. Right. I mm-hmm. no, nope, I'm out. Because I don't like lying to my clients. So, you know, it's like everybody lost.
0: And, you know, mm-hmm. with
1: more transparency and more alignment of incentives, that, that could have been avoided.
0: Speaking of transparency, I think that's your next point,
1: right? All right. So, you know, the next thing is and we've, we've kind of touched on this already. Right. Is that, you know, the contribution uh, transparency of the resources involved in a project. Right. So when you're dealing with Bitco, right, and they've got this whole team and they, they tell you we got, you know, vendor, we've got service um, architect. We've got service now architect rock star number one on your project and they're going to be in charge of doing whatever and we've got like our all-star development team and you know and all these folks show up at the very beginning and they're all sitting around the table and they're talking real intelligent and all everything they're saying everyone's not in agreement because it sounds good i'll tell you why because it is good right like this is the team. this is hannibal ba face mm-hmm. murdoch right like these are the folks that come in and they can legitimately do the thing The problem is, is that when those those first one or two weeks go away, right, like the A team is on to the next client closing that deal and the B team comes through or maybe the C team comes through or maybe the A team is spread over 20 different clients. Right. And so Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, what is a awesome team when they are overutilized like that, you know, becomes just merely adequate or mediocre. You know, and so that transparency of the contribution to your project is always in question when you're dealing with a vendor partner, because also the resources that are assigned to your project affect the, the bill rate. You don't want to pay a team rates for free agent signups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you're paying a team rates, you want the a team, right? So when you're dealing with your architect, right? You're he's the guy, that's the person. She's the, she's the person, you know, exactly what you're getting. You know exactly what, who's delivering it. You know exactly where the advice is coming from. You know how it's being built. All of that stuff is transparent. It's right in your face. You don't have to question. Why? Why? Because most of the time, there's nobody else behind them, for for, for starters, right? But it's the nature of the relationship. You know, so absolutely, you know, having this person in that role and, and performing those actions, right, gives you the transparency of what you're actually getting for your money.
0: Yeah. The way I describe this in terms of like my field experience is I had a customer where I was the for architect and the vendor had their architect too. And they were really pleased with her. You know, this architect right. was exquisite. The problem was it's all like abstract in the contract. You're going to get some architect, some senior dev, some yeah. mainline dev, BAs, but you're never sure how much you're getting and who's doing what. And so- right. Like what would happen is, oh, we got this new thing to talk about, or this design doesn't make sense anymore. Let's bring back the architect. And this girl, God bless her, was always, there'd have to be so much time invested to basically like re-acclimate to what's going on here. And what was the problem again? Because she was was clearly on like 10 or 12 different contracts. So it was like, hey, we need to talk to the architect. Oh, how about next Thursday at four thirty PM? And that it's person's like, going to be in the car on the what? way to, <laughs> yeah, like next Thursday, like buddy, that's a week and a half from now. So it was right? just you didn't get the right knowledge that was supremely acclimated at the right times, and I feel like that's another perverse incentive, right? That person's not going to say stop, like I'm not going to take any more customers on because they're just being told what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, exactly. but a freelancer, a freelancer will know ahead of time. They'll be like, gosh, it's not going to do me any good to only commit two hours a week to my customers. Right. You know what I mean? Like they'll take on as much customer as they can, as they can actually feasibly support. But, and that's that. Yeah. But if you're working for a company... There's like no rule that says that company can't over allocate you by 500%, 600%. Like it just. Right. And so, what are you going to do about it? Exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, would you dealing with a vendor agnostic architect? And like, you don't have to have a full time fr architect. You can have 10 hours a week, five hours a week, whatever, two hours a week even, but you know what you're getting.
1: We call those a fractional yeah, fr architect.
0: Yeah. Double fr, <laughs> fr- architect. <laughs> architect we're gonna make this a thing (laughs) it's gotta be a thing it's a trying too hard thing but we still gotta make it happen (laughs) all right So, so this is you had another one No, I was just going to say, what do we got left? (laughs) What we have left is, at least I found that there's a better ability to coordinate efforts on the project. If you listen to people who think about like guerrilla warfare, it's how do I make being small and outnumbered an advantage to a superior force? And if you put that back into the ServiceNow ecosystem, what I've found is when a big partner comes in and they control everything, like everybody comes to the meetings. Today is going to be the day where we talk about I don't know integration best practices and we've right. got the engagement manager the project manager the architect a senior dev and the three integration people that are actually going to be doing it and a BA and and right. then whoever's on the customer side and it's like how many of these people actually need to be here
1: man you yeah. so, so, you, know, you know what would be really cool and, and and just just you know kind of real quick right like what would be really cool is that they also presented a bill for that meeting
0: oh dude let me (laughs) my first I think it was like my first for architecture gig and there was like a, there's a substantially large ServiceNow partner in there. Um, right. They weren't a ServiceNow partner. They were like a big four kind of consulting partner. And they were quote unquote, managing the whole thing. They weren't doing the ServiceNow work. They shopped that out to another big partner. And then there was me in the middle as the for architect. Okay. But I, I remember sitting in a boardroom where there was 20 people around the table. Half of them were consultants and there was a bunch of other people on the phone. And it was like, there had to have been 30 or 40 people in there trying to agree on a category tree. Oh, like and a category tree, buddy. Like, you oh. know, those are never like, they're never done. No. <laughs> and there's, there's no never agreement. You can, get, you can never get three people to agree, or let them 10 times that number. Seriously. And I, so we're in there for like the fourth hour, and you can smell <laughs> the money burning. You like 10 consultants at how much? And like, this is literally like a $25,000 meeting already. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and by some miracle, We actually got everybody to a point where it's like, hey, does everybody agree on this three-tier taxonomy for the category tree, right? Right. And But that had to be the
1: world's most expensive
0: category tree. Seriously. (laughs) And it was like silence. And we're like, everybody's like, oh my God, did we actually do this? Oh my God, we actually did this. But MF and (laughs) senior (laughs) consultants from the the team that's coordinating the project, that mf he says, now listen, folks, wait a second. Because what we really need to do is to quantify a service and a service owner and a primary and secondary support team for each of these categories otherwise you know what's the point in having a cat I'm like where were you last month when we started talking about this <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to say that now that we agreed on it you're going to just throw the whole thing back into the just. What,
1: what we, we really about? need is a cmdb <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god! You could just hear like beep beep beep. beep. Oh, there's another big dump truck coming with a with money to fuel this meeting. <laughs> but okay. somebody so, get the shovels! Oh my god! It is like just <clears throat> swimming pools full of money just torched, just torched.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm st- you know, I think. Just kind of wrapping this whole thing up, I think I might make this part of like a standard practice, right? Like you should ask the vendor to provide you with a cost for every meeting that they're going to actually schedule, right? So you can see how much it actually takes to talk to these, to these folks.
0: Right? Or, or, or you could just have your f- architect decide when we need meetings of that caliber, right? Exactly. And just say like, listen, an architect, a BA and the customers can figure this out. We don't need to have like, a ton of people from the execution side of the partner right we like we don't need all those people we need some of the people and somebody who's used to getting it done can tell you who those people are absolutely and because i just i feel like the default mode for a lot of partners is just like everybody involved in the project has come to this meeting every single yeah. meeting and yeah, it's just you wonder why stuff's not getting done jim at the end <laughs> of the table
1: what are you actually doing on this thing oh me yeah me, oh man, I do the uh I create the accounts for people to actually get out,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it's just like you get to your your weekly status meeting and you list off the meetings that you went to for your status. yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man, anyways, coordination yeah. of efforts when you have a freelance architect that's used to seeing a ton of stuff used to getting a lot done can be a hedge against. $25,000 meetings. That's yeah. my piece.
1: I'm with you, man. It's a it definitely a hedge against burning money in a furnace. Yep. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. So I think that I think that wraps us up, Duke. You know, we've covered everything we wanted to cover. Hopefully this was a, you know, really good and informative show for you guys. I mean, I felt...
0: We talk about this a ton. I, I love this topic. And so maybe we can... I don't know. Maybe we, if you're a freelance vendor agnostic architect or or if you're a architect, get in touch Even with us. Even a fractional architect, Yeah. Get in touch with us. I'd love to do like more on this and maybe get some like outsider opinions. Actually, if you're a partner that disagrees with us, get in touch yeah. with us. And we'd love to just uh, beat you up for a while on a call. <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely so
0: beat us up and anyways get in touch with us if you want to have another talk and yeah see you on the next episode folks goodbye or later